Hey everybody, welcome to episode 58 of the Metal Detecting Show podcast. My name is Kieran, and I have been metal detecting now for nearly 30 years. This week I interview Sasha, who is the mod on the huge subreddit R Magnet Fishing. Sasha takes me to school, taking me from Magnet Fishing Noob to at least a better informed Magnet Fishing Noob. So let's get on with the show. Hey everyone, before we start, I want to thank you for listening to the podcast and I hope you enjoyed the episode this week. If you want to support the show, there are many options available from the links in the episode notes below. And if you want to interact with me and the show, that information's in there too, you know. But most importantly, if you like this content, please don't hesitate to tell your friends and don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to this week's episode. Before we get into the interview, I want to announce the winner of our monster giveaway. And that winner is... James Dickens out of Florida, who is a long-time listener of the show and is still in shock with the realization of his great win. Well done, James, and watch out for that delivery man. Your Equinox will be winging its way to you this week. So this week we interview Sasha, who is a moderator on the subreddit Magnet Fishing on Reddit.com, a community of over 100,000 practitioners of the hobby. Now, I normally interview people who are content creators, so I have a good idea of who they are and what they do. But this time I'm going in cold, people. I know nothing about the hobby of Magnet Fishing, apart from some light-hearted dabbling I did last year. So please welcome Sasha, who is going to convert me from a Magnet Fishing noob to a better informed Magnet Fishing noob. Welcome, Sasha. Thanks for taking the time to come on the show this week. Thanks for inviting me. I really appreciate it. So we have done an episode in the past before about magnet fishing, and this was my initial sort of foray into the hobby, right? But, you know, and I did use the community subreddit to check that out. But can you tell me about the Reddit community of magnet fishing? Um, I did mention it's over 100k practitioners. I can't believe how, how big it is. It is fairly big and it's pretty impressive as well. Uh, when I started in 2017, there were only about eight or 10,000 of us. And um, it grew exponentially since then, really. Um, I think one of the, the key things is, like you mentioned, I am uh, one of the moderators there and it's 100,000 people. So you would think it would be quite hard to, to manage, but everybody is so cool, so nice friendly with each other we have a few rules for how to post and whatnot but uh nothing terribly complex and people are just really cool and really chill about it so everybody's eager to help everybody else which is really nice and why i stuck around for so long yeah it, it is about you you got it right it's very chilled out compared to some other subreddits so before i start right what do you call yourselves are you magnet fisher men or magnet magnet fisher <laughs> women Magna Fisher people, just Magna Fishers? I think I've seen mag Magnet Fishers around, uh, thrown around the most. Um, personally, that's the term I like to use. I think it's just easy, inclusive, simple. Everybody gets it. Um, but yeah, really anything goes. Fishermen, fisherwomen, uh, it's all good. As long as you're having fun call yourself whatever you want <laughs> yeah <laughs> exactly exactly like in, in metal detecting you know we've got treasure hunter detectorists detectors everything like that um, do a lot of people who magnet fish um, metal detect as well or quite a few yes 
Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of overlap there. Uh, in fact, that's how I got interested in the hobby in the first place. So I'm a bit of a history nerd, and um, I was looking for a way to you know, discover parts of history. So obviously, metal detecting came up as a possible avenue. So I started looking into that a little bit. But for me at the time, it was a bit too expensive. So because when I want to start, I want to start right. And if you go too cheap, well, you're not going to have some a lot of fun, are you? So um, I started looking in YouTube, seeing how people were doing it and so on. And then I came across a content creator who I'd like to give a shout out to because he really got me interested in the hobby. And it's an American fellow called Aqua Chigger. Oh, yeah. Some people might be familiar with him, but he does a lot of uh, Civil War, mm -hmm. um, magnet fishing, and um, metal detecting. Mm -hmm. And in one of his videos, he was uh, magnet fishing off a kayak, I think, in some river somewhere. And I was like, oh, magnet fishing. Interesting. So I Googled that one and um, <laughs> realized that, yeah, you can get into the hobby fairly easily. And I have quite a few uh, wet areas in my neighborhood. So I figured... Yeah, you know, if I don't like it, at least it's not going to be too expensive. And uh, that's how it got started. So there's a lot of people on the forum who kind of the same way. Because sometimes, well, uh, if it's too muddy, going detecting in fields or whatnot isn't the most interesting. But uh, just walking along the riverbank, you can still find some things. Yeah, it's, it's, it's almost, it really is like fishing. I've always equated metal detecting to being like fishing. You know, you're one person on your own at one with your equipment it's, it's it's actually more about the downtime than it is about what you're finding and um so why do you magnify you did mention the history it's purely for history that you magnet fish now not only i do like the outdoors so uh for me an afternoon spent on a quiet river somewhere listening to the birds um you know looking at the animals just the, the water flowing is super relaxing for me so i really enjoyed that I used to enjoy fishing as well uh, when I was a bit younger, but then uh, I kind of fell out of it. So the magnet fishing approach, I, I really like. Um, most of the time, I don't find anything, but I still enjoy my time because you know it's nice out to bring a picnic sometimes. The wife tags along. She brings a book, so she sits around. When I find something, she runs over to see what I got. But otherwise, uh, so you know, we do our thing. It's an excuse to to really to get some fresh air and relax. And occasionally you do find something pretty cool. So that's a big plus. And is it all, say, iron objects? That, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming yeah. because it's a magnet, it's iron that you're looking for. Correct. So occasionally you will find crap caught on other crap. <laughs> yeah. So you might be lucky and get something a bit different there. But for the most part, it's, it's metal objects. But um, there are some, you know, there's obvi the, the obvious ones. Um, if you live in an area where there was a lot of um, combat, so I'm in Europe, so war was, we had two big ones, at least. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so there's a lot of uh, guns and things that you can find, but um, you can also find, um, I don't know, purses, because, you know, the, the, one of the bands on the side happens to have some metal in it, or you can find some, um, some knickknacks made of plastic, but there's one piece of metal, so that'll grab and you can pull that out cash registers you know things of the cell phones is a good one you wouldn't think there's too much uh, iron in those but uh, just enough if you have a powerful enough magnet so I, I, I watch a lot of YouTube and I try and keep up to date with a lot of the content and um, 
magnet fishing is is up there with my regular check-ins and every video i see i see a guy pulling out bicycles <laughs> yes sometimes you see stacks and stacks of bicycles behind these guys and i go yeah i'd love to try that hobby but i would not know what to do with all the scrap iron that i would pull out like do you guys take that away with you or is it just down to min- the municipality and that you can just leave it beside a bin and they'll take it away or well the the quick answer is it depends um okay. but first off it really depends on where you're fishing in the first place so in my case for instance i found a bicycle okay. in the last four years or so whereas mm-hmm. some people find like 12 in a weekend so it you know it really depends um the unwritten rule is really whatever you uh, find, you bring with you. Typically is, yeah. uh, you know, don't disturb the environment and so on. So that's kind of the rule we try to adhere to. But uh, like in my case, for instance, I go on my bicycle uh, to these spots. So if I find something too big, I can't really bring it back with me. So I try to find a trash can. So there's a lot of public trash cans in the area. So you can always put it in there, ideally. Or typically, I leave it next to it, and the stuff ends up disappearing. Some city ordinance might not be too keen on that particular idea. Um, but for the most part, uh, if you're pretty cool about it, or you bring some large garbage bags or something like that, you can put all of these things in there. At least it's you know manageable and not just a yeah. huge pile of scrap. Some people do sell the scrap, though, mm-hmm. uh, if you do find enough of it. Because scrap iron is more or less worthless. It's like a... 25 cents a ton or some ridiculously yeah, low number some, yeah. um, but some people do bring it enough that it pays for gas once in a while so there is that so if you have a small truck or a trailer or something like that you can just throw everything in there so it really uh, but most of the time what you find is manageable it's smaller items the occasional safe might be a bit heavy but it's not like one of those bank safes that's the size of a room it's you know one of small desk safes or whatever so it's still manageable so have you found a safe i have not it's still on my magnet fisher bingo (laughs) yeah yeah your bucket list yep yeah i have a few items on my list uh that i did manage to find but uh safe is not uh, it's not on that i have found a gun before um, which led to an interesting um, little adventure as well. So I'm in uh, I'm in Germany, but I'm not German. So my German skills are let's call it subpar, limited and limited. Yes, limited. And um, one of my first times out, actually, I I picked up uh, a gun and I did a quick Google and I figured out it was a small small caliber Beretta from I don't know 50s or 60s. So it wasn't a war model. So I knew, oh, okay, so this is, you know, not a war thing. So probably something uh, happened in the area. <laughs> yeah. Call the police. Guy comes over. He's got broken English. I have broken German. Anyways, we figured it out, filled out a, f- a quick form with my name and contact info, and that was that. A day or two later, I get a phone call from detectives. And uh, they're saying, yeah, you uh, you reported you finding a gun, blah, blah, blah. Uh, we'd like you to come in and ask you a few questions. Okay. So I had to uh, bike down to the police station, had a quick interview um, in one of those nice little rooms with the one-way glass. Very cool. Oh, wow. Yep. And then they say, okay, where did you find this exactly? So I pointed it out on Google Maps. It says, okay, well, we want some, you know, to ask you some more questions. So we'll let's go drive down 
and you can show us around. So I had a nice ride in a police car all the way down there. We were actually met by CSI. Oh, so wow. they came out okay. with metal detectors to try and canvas the area a little bit. And so I was explaining what I was doing. So I was magnet fishing. They were looking at me like doing what now? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I had to explain the principle. The CSI folks thought it was the best hobby ever. The police were like, this guy's an idiot. And um, yeah, but uh, yeah, they there was a robbery at a store or something not too far away. So they thought maybe the gun was related because it was a really small bridge in a secluded mm -hmm. area. So easy to just roll down your window and throw it out. So they figured that's what happened. Because it was for a gun from the 60s, it was in fairly decent condition. So not that old. Yeah, so that was my first my first uh, run in with the police uh, while magnet fishing, because yes, the first of many, the first of two so far. <laughs> yeah, okay. the second time was because I found over two hundred rounds of ammunition. Okay, <laughs> that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's actually that's another aspect I kind of like um, with magnet fishing is sometimes you find things and you try to reconstruct. Okay, how did this get here? Get it, that, yeah. And in that particular case, uh, the ammo I found was actually also from the 50s. But I could tell because of the numbers underneath that they were army issue and not civilian. And uh, I knew there was an American army base nearby. So what I figure is some guy from the army, because I recognized uh, it's from uh, ammo uh, 45 ACP from uh, Colt 1911. So a fairly common uh, sidearm. And um, what happened there was that probably an officer or something like that wanted to uh, spend some time shooting. So he went onto a secluded area on a little bridge and probably knocked his box of ammo off the side and it all fell right next to the bridge, which is why I found all 200 casings, well, casings, bullets. Drop the box. But this may be Instagram effect or whatever it is on YouTube, YouTube effect, I suppose. There's quite a bit of the good finds, I, I suppose, are linked to essentially some sort of criminal activity. I'm assuming, now this is an assumption of a noob, so correct me if I'm wrong, like knives, guns, safes. You already kind of addressed what the process is. You report to the police and you do the right thing. For me, I kind of think that's a bit like um, Russian roulette. <laughs> You're potentially pulling up a gun or unexploded ordnance like the bullets. Does that enter your psyche, I suppose, while you're hunting? In a sense, but this is also very dependent on where you are. Mm -hmm. So in my area, uh, there was a lot of destruction during the war. So finding ordnance is a very common thing. I mean, they find unexploded bombs whenever they do construction around here. Uh, they have to evacuate the neighborhood, then they defuse it, and then, uh, I don't know if they send it back to the Americans or what they do, but uh, yeah, it's a, it's a very common thing. So you do have to be careful. That being said, most of the things you will find in the water are um, guns and, and ammunition. I am by no means an expert. Uh, mm. Bullets are relatively safe especially waterlogged ones, so I, I'm fine with that. But if I were to find something like a mortar shell or something like that, they tend to be uh, to explode because of shock or, uh, you know, hair trigger or some could be magnetic. So, you know, 
Um, so in those cases, you definitely should call the authorities and have somebody uh, properly dispose of it. Um, there's quite a few people that found grenades. I think it came up in, in England, of all places, quite a few times in the last uh, year or so, where somebody found yeah. a grenade in a canal somewhere. Um, so you, have, you do have to be careful with these things. With regards to crimes, though, it's not, you know, it, obviously if it quacks like a duck, you know, there's a good chance it's a duck. But uh, don't forget, a lot of hunters will drop the rifles off the side of their boat. So mm -hmm. you know, that's a great source of shotguns. But you can also drop your knife while fishing. So there's a lot of fishermen's yeah. knives. So that's another one. But of course, a lot of people will, or criminals will rob a home, put everything in a pillowcase or something, run out, and then they realize, okay, I have a gun. Well, if you get caught with that, it in some places, it actually makes the crime worse than yeah. just stealing normal stuff so they just want to get rid of these things uh, i would assume most guns found in rivers and whatnot are just stolen from people's homes and thrown out because the criminal doesn't want to be potentially caught, caught with it yeah are they murder weapons i mean the law of averages would say at least one but for the most part i would imagine mostly it's stolen stuff that gets dumped um, and things like that but it, it is possible so and the laws are different in all the different places so in, in the us in some places you call the police they check it out if nobody claims it or they they can't trace it to any crime you can pick it up again after i don't know x amount of days so you can pick it up which is cool if you're into that sort of thing mm -hmm. um in germany you have to report it you can't keep anything uh in some cases it's well if it's older than whatever the magic yeah. year number is then you can keep it and do whatever you want with it it really depends. Inform yourself. It's country dependent. It's county dependent. It's city dependent. It's yeah, it's not obvious. It's it's best to be informed, really, from your from a local point of view. It's definitely safer. Yeah. Yes, mentioned your bucket listers. So, what's on the bucket list for you to find? You know, the gun is obviously for me. It would be a, I'd love to find a gun. I'd love to find a shotgun. I'd love to find a grenade. <laughs> All the wrong things I'd like to find. I would love to find some uh, some weapons from the Second World War. So I am a history nerd. So if I could find a Luger, I think that would be like the the penultimate find uh, ever. A couple of other things that could be interesting are mostly war related. But I saw some YouTubers in the Netherlands find a lot of really cool stuff mine detonators they're pretty cool because they say you know safe and dangerous on it and then you screw that into the mine then you turn it to dangerous so just as a novelty item is it's kind of nifty so that'd be pretty cool that this one's harder but finding some medieval things i found some nails some squared nails so kind of mm -hmm. cool but um i would very much like to find i don't know maybe a sword or an old uh, tool or something recognizable but you know after a couple hundred years in the water the quality might not be really that awesome but uh, that would be unless it's like the thames got the anaerobic soil which preserves um that, any of the objects in the, that's the other the thing world. too you can find some really good quality items depending on where you are some swamps yeah have uh what is it less oxygen or what's the, yeah yeah uh, there's no there's no oxidizing factor in yeah. the soil so that would definitely be i haven't found one of those spots yet uh, but the, the guy from the Netherlands that I mentioned, uh, they found a few places. 
one of which happened to be an area where a German garrison surrendered. So they just chucked all of their stuff in it. So they found rifles, they found mines, they found uh, submachine guns, they found MG42s. I mean, Panzerfaust, everything. And wow. it was still... An, it's the One of the rifles they found, they could actually... The bolt was working perfectly fine. That's how un messed up they were so that was really impressive a little jealous not gonna lie yeah but it's the jealousy that fuels you you know yeah totally you never know what you're gonna find so why is it so popular it seems to be in recent years it has gained a lot in popularity particularly in the last three to four years um why do you think that is i can only speculate but i think it's a combination of uh smaller factors so when I got started, there were more and more magnet detecting videos or contents on social media. And I think they're closely related, so detecting and magnet phishing. So it kind of bubbled up. Uh, and once you start, well, you fall into the rabbit hole. There's, it's As a hobby, it is very easy to get into. Uh, you can get started even with a very inexpensive magnet. You're probably not going to pull up anything huge but some people just do it to get fishing lures you don't need a huge magnet for that and it's just a way to supplement your fishing tackle box which is pretty cool it's very inexpensive it's easy to do with family as well and um you know you walk next to the lake you see ducks you bring your little kids along or something some bread you know you can make a day out of it it's very easy and then add to that the pandemic effect so you can't go anywhere you can't do anything you still want to be outside but you know walking around and biking around gets kind of boring and you're not a golfer or you're not uh, an avid sports person so what are you gonna do Mm -hmm. well um, that's a very easy hobby to pick up just go to amazon you find all the gear you need in like 10 minutes and you're good to go so i think all of that comes together to make it a very um a very popular hobby these days uh, is it going to stay that way? I don't know, but more and more people start to be interested in finding. There's a few people try, that try to you know, get rich quick. Say they see one person pulling up a safe that actually had money left in it. Hey, well, maybe I can find one. Yeah. Not terribly likely. But for, for the most part, it's it seems to be just people wanting to go out there and see what you find. I mean, sometimes you find some historical pieces some people find some cool uh, train memorabilia like old lanterns and things like that which is pretty nifty so that's mostly the reason i would say you mentioned picking up a magnet say from amazon is there any tips or criteria you would people should look out for in picking up a magnet you know i've heard about single-sided magnets double-sided magnets the eye hole even the way you tie knots and stuff onto it um, can you give oh, us a rundown an art, of, of that sort of from a te- from a technical aspect (laughs) i mean the first thing uh when we're talking about magnets it's not the magnet you have on your fridge so let's uh let's start with that or magnet that you might find um if you ever taken apart a speaker there's a magnet on that right it's big brown metallic magnet thing that's not the magnet we use these things believe it or not are really not powerful enough to get anything really worthwhile so what we use are called rare earth magnets, or neodymium is typically the, the word you, you read about. And essentially, 
these are just really, really powerful in a smaller form factor. So to get like a speaker magnet of the same force of the magnet I would use, it would have to be I don't know, the size of a table or something. So not terribly convenient. And there's a few. Originally, these magnets were created to move heavy steel plates around in like foundries or in places where they do metalworking. So that's what they're used for initially. So it's the same type of magnet. And um, like you mentioned, single-sided, double-sided, depends really on what kind of magnet fishing you want to do. Uh, you can, for instance, if you're planning on most of the time going on a pier somewhere to find some fishing lures, and you're just going to bob up and down going around the pier, single-sided is fine because the magnetic side will always fall down. You just bob a little bit and it just you know hops along the bottom of, uh, of the ground and picks up whatever it stumbles upon. So that's fine. But if you're planning on throwing it, let's say, in a river or in a lake, and then dragging it, well, physics dictates that since the eye loop is on top, when you pull, the magnetic face will be you know, pulled to the side, and it's not going to be facing the ground anymore. So it's not going to catch just as much, which is something you can avoid with a double-sided magnet, because the eye loop can be, either it comes on the side or it can be moved to the side. Therefore, there's always a magnetic face facing down. So you're always uh, right side up, basically. It's a question of preference. I have uh, one of each. The first one I bought was a single-sided, but I built a shroud out of a plastic bottle because the, the magnet, when it's facing correctly on the ground, it's basically like an upside-down T. So perfect shape to get snagged between rocks and things. So by putting a plastic bottle over it, you kind of make it cone-shaped, so more chances of slipping out. And because I'm a nerd, I took it to the next level. So I twisted the magnet 90 degrees, so it's facing down, and the rope is coming up to the side, out of the, uh, the hole of the bottle. So basically, basically, my cone is always sideways, and the magnet always facing down. It's kind of hard to picture if you don't have a, a visual. Doing it that way means I rarely get stuck, and it was perfectly fine because it was always facing down. And then when I bought a second magnet, I just bought one that's double-sided. I don't even bother with shroud anymore. Have you lost the magnet yet? I have not. So that's something else I haven't checked on my uh, magnet fishing list. I did come close twice. Once I caught a bridge. So those uh, huge metal I-beams, very magnetic. So, uh, but luckily some passerby helped me out and we were able to pull my magnet off, but mine was a reasonable strength of a uh, hundred and some odd kilos versus the 800 kilo ones that some people are using these days. So, uh, that was number one. And the second time I actually did not have my shroud yet and I got caught between two rocks, but close to shore, but it was spring. I did not have my bathing suit, so I had to dress down <laughs> to my skivvies and jump in to try to to get my magnet free. It was a very unpleasant experience. <laughs> Never to be repeated. Never to be repeated, yes. So now I had the shroud after that, and I was fine. And now double-sided, no issues. And is there anything that people should avoid when purchasing a magnet? I wouldn't say avoid, I would just say be careful. Um, because like you mentioned, uh, 
the hobby is getting a lot more popular, which means magnet fishing kits are becoming, are becoming a lot more popular as well. You might think, oh, well, I paid 40 euros or $40 and get myself a kit. I get the rope, the gloves, the magnet, uh, everything. Awesome. Maybe. Not all kits are equal. Not all gear is equal. So there's a few very reputable stores. Uh, one that comes to mind in the uh, United States would be Brute Magnetics. Uh, name gets thrown around on the forum quite a bit because mm -hmm. the quality is good. So when you buy something that has, I don't know, 800 kilograms of force or pull strength, it has around 800 kilograms of pull strength versus if you buy some Chinesium special on Wish or on uh, AliExpress, maybe you'll get you'll get the same one as brute just without the branding sticker on it or something or maybe you'll get a complete piece of garbage that you can barely lift yeah. you know 20 kilos with so and the quality of the rope you know rope is rope who cares right well when you have some when you're pulling something really stuck and your magnet is very strong it won't come off easily so all the force goes somewhere and it's in the rope so you don't want your rope to snap in the middle because you're stuck and trying to pull free or you're just pulling something really heavy and it just ends up snapping, which is also why the knot becomes important because not all knots are knots are created equal. That's, uh, but yeah, there's no wrong way of doing it. Uh, if you go to a local uh, store and just buy one of those brown, black, normal quote-unquote magnets, You'll still get some stuff, lures for sure, coins, some coins are magnetic, so I definitely will pick those up. But uh, if you, you know, come across a bicycle or something like that, you're definitely not going to pull it out. Because just to, to make it clear, just because you have, a, let's say, an 800 kilogram strength magnet doesn't mean you're going to be pulling out like a tank or a car from the, from the river. But if you find just a bicycle, bicycles are light, right? What's the problem? Well... It's stuck in mud. It's been stuck in mud for who knows how long. I mean, most of us have gotten stuck in mud once or twice. And you know that suction effect when you're trying to pull your feet out of the mud and you're trying to not leave your shoe in there or your boot in there? The same applies to whatever you're finding in the river or whatever. So that's where the strength comes in because otherwise your magnet will just slip off. And uh, that's where technique comes into play as well which is, I'm assuming, the same in metal detecting, how you set up your machine, what you discriminate against, and all these things. Mm -hmm. You know, two people can have the exact same machine. One person is a lot more successful than the other. Why? Technique. So same principle applies to magnet fishing as well. You're going to have to go into the technique. <laughs> the, the technique, at least one that's worked well for me. I mean, it's not like there's a book on this, right? It's, it's touch and go. One thing I have noticed is whenever I latch on to something that I feel is something strong and not just stuck between two rocks, so an actual object, um, I feel that when I'm pulling, so when I throw and I pull until I grab something, I typically do it only with the tips of my fingers. So it's very light, very gentle. And that way you kind of feel through the rope if you're, you know, is it a rock or is it... You, after a while, you pick up the difference between rocks and actual metal uh, things. And once you are stuck on something, I like to take the, the approach where you, you pull very slowly until you're really at the edge, and then you let go again. 
and then you pull until you're at the edge and then you let go again and this rocking motion that tends to loosen up the suction and eventually the item will come out it can take a while i was pulling up at a i think it was a street sign at some point and it took me a solid 20 minutes or more of you know fudging around with the pull and release and whoops it came off okay throw it again and then capture again then pull and slow and pull and slow the the, the typical newbie is just going to throw catch and then pull with all of his might well that's just going to pop right off and you, it's not going to be successful so it is uh that, that's my technique. That's It's the same technique I used to get my car out of mm-hmm. a snowbank. You know, you just rock it back and forth for a while and eventually it comes free. Yeah. I figured, hey, yeah. Yeah. if it works for a car in a snowbank, maybe it works for something stuck in mud. Yeah, that's absolutely that's brilliant. It's almost like you're tickling tickling the rope, uh, you know, for it's up oh, it, it really is. It. That's pretty cool. Only a couple more questions. Sure. So, What's the, for me, for metal detecting, say, to draw and to draw a comparison with magnet fishing, Florida would be a hot spot for metal detecting. Where in the world would be a hot spot now for magnet fishing? Is the majority of the activity centered around a particular area? Or? Well, I would say if we look at the uh, subreddit, it's mostly US-based, but then again, so is Reddit in general. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, there are 300 million people over there, so obviously... They have the numbers. But when it comes to the best places, it really depends on what you're looking for. Okay. So uh, if you're looking for fishing lures and things like that, then go where people fish. So I would imagine places like Florida would be awesome uh, for mm-hmm. that sort of thing. But for me, history, so it would be my area. So where there was World War One and World War Two. So, so far mm-hmm. I found items from both wars, actually. So that's, to me, that's a great place. So Netherlands would be another place uh, for that. So Mm -hmm. France. Um, But uh, also, I think there's a lot of very lucky uh, fishermen in England because all the canal ways apparently are filled with garbage. I don't know what's going on there, but uh, (laughs) the amount of stuff they're pulling out of these things is insane. Uh, If you're looking for bicycles, go to Amsterdam. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. The community, at least on the on the subreddit, we have I think I saw somebody from Norway not too long ago mm. who who joined. Uh, so that's pretty cool. But we have some people in what did I see? South Africa, Australia. Uh, I mean, it's really it's it's universal. Basically, you can fish wherever there are or were people. And um, you know, if it's there will be something there. Yeah, and if the, the more people there was there, the more chances you'll you'll find something. So obviously cities and things, but you know, old medieval mills, there's a good chance you'll find mm-hmm. something in the waters around the old mill. Well, I'm just thinking there's an old mill near me here now and it's got water around it. I know exactly where I'm going there now when I get go. my magnet. <laughs> and, um, bridges, is are bridges like where to go for magnet fishing? Is, is, I would say is, so. Is that a good spot to start? Yeah, yeah. I would say so because uh, for a couple of reasons. One, it's super convenient to fish off of. <laughs> you can just stand yeah. on it. You can throw, you can bob, you can do whatever you want. So super easy. Great. But also, you know, there's a bridge. So obviously a lot of people have been going by. So either throwing stuff off the side or it's been there for a while. So, you know, things fall off and so on. So it's a great, uh, it's a great place for that. And it's also 
what's called convenience side of things. You know, fishing from the side of a river, you, you need to go through trees and sometimes it's muddy and then you don't have the luxury of a nice, nice beach that you can just, you know, walk down. You need to go through all these thorny bushes and whatever else and it's not that hot. And if it's complicated for you, then imagine how often people would go there. Not very. So again, chances are that you find something. Eh. But um, mm, probably not. Yeah, I would say bridges are the the most fun. Canals are a good one too because they're mm. just smaller uh, bodies of water. And speaking of, you don't need to look for the huge river. It doesn't have to be the Nile or the Amazon. I've done most of my fishing on water that's been I don't know, maybe a meter deep at most. So I could probably just wade through and try to find stuff. But it, you know, it doesn't as long as there's people coming through it's fine so you don't need a huge huge river and even if it is smaller it's easier to canvas <laughs> so uh you know where you've thrown and yeah. where you haven't and you can more or less grid the area out and uh, work your way through more easily than a, a huge river that said huge rivers can be very interesting too you have boats and things that go on them boats drop stuff so cool. have you heard of magnet sweeping I have heard of magnet sweeping. For me, it's not something that I find I find terribly relevant. Again, the types of things I want to find are not things I would find magnet sweeping because, it, you know, if there's a luger lying on the ground, I would see it. But if you're looking for coins and things things like that, maybe in loose sand it might actually work out. But uh, one case where it does make a lot of sense, and actually somebody posted on the subreddit not too long ago, I think they were at their father's old house, and um, they did a pass around the garage or the backyard or something, and they picked up all of the old nails and screws and things like that. So if you have kids and there was some, you know, renovating or if they're changing the roof, oftentimes they'll drop a whole slew of nails and bits and bobs uh, in the grass and you don't really want to step on those. So in that case, uh, you can actually use your uh, magnet fishing magnet and it's super, it works super well because it is so strong. It'll pick up every metallic bit and uh, thing on the ground there. So that's definitely a cool idea. If, uh, you know, if you have small children running around and they're, they're what, you know, there's been some renovation work or something in the area. It's another aspect to using a magnet, but I've done a bit of welding in the past and you know if you're using a magnet to hold two pieces of metal together it gets all that swarf and dust, metallic dust in it and it's a nightmare to clean so I can only imagine what it would be what it would be like with a neodymium magnet to clean it after you did some magnet sweeping so oh, the horror. Uh, I don't think the reward outweighs the pain in the ass it would be yeah I think for the safety concern then great but if I were going to do that in my own yard for instance I would put the magnet in a like a sandwich bag or one of those baggy things and walk around with that and that way all the the, the metallic sand dust what have you would get stuck on the bag instead of the magnet because i i have the problem now some uh, silty river beds and whatever have the same type of magnetic sand stuff and it it is a pain uh to clean off and uh, i haven't found a clever way of doing it i just mm -hmm. use That's my gloved nice fingers stuff. and you rub and rub and rub and eventually most comes up not all most yeah. <laughs> that's good enough for me as long as it doesn't interfere with the functionality of the magnet, I think it's it's okay. No, I think it's mostly the, 
the issues with these magnets is after a while they will rust. Uh, I mean, you do take care of them, you dry them off after using them and, and so on, but that, you bang it on rocks and things so the protective uh, covering does get damaged and then rust can creep in. So and the rustier it gets, the less powerful it is. So you will need to replace it at some point. Some people have clear coated them with some sort of transparent paint or, or what have you to help, or uh, what's it called? Just this Plasti Dip type product. Some people cover cars in oh, it yeah. and you can peel it off. Same type of thing. Plastic or Yeah, so yeah. same type of thing you can use. I haven't gotten around to it. It hasn't been that big of a problem for me. But yeah, my stuff is getting rusted. So maybe I should have put oil or something on it as well. But you know. What can you do? It's it's always an excuse to buy another magnet, you know? There you go. <laughs> um, right, before we wrap up, for my last question, do you want to give anybody any shout-outs or anything like uh, that? Well, I want to say a big thank you to the community over at our Magnet Fishing on Reddit. Uh, they're the ones that make the community. Uh, they're an awesome bunch of people to work with. They make my life as moderator very easy, which is great because it's not my job. <laughs> so definitely it's nice to see everybody helping each other out. Uh, but I will also want to give a big thank you to Aquachigger for uh, introducing me to the hobby in the first place. And another channel, they haven't been posting a lot uh, in the last little while. There were some issues with, uh, well, the legality of magnet fishing is a bit up in the air depending on where you live in his particular area it was deemed illegal but he moved now so maybe he'll start making contents again but yeah uh, the channel was trasher seeker so another group of germans they were in the area of hamburg in northern germany and they found a whole bunch of really cool stuff and their videos were a lot of fun so i'm hoping they come back but they also really got me interested in the hobby when i first started we'll see how that goes good stuff so last question what do you wish you knew when you started magnet fishing first? Oh boy, that is a very good question. What did I wish I knew? I did mention that I am a bit of a nerd, so I did do quite a bit of research before getting started. So there's not much I wasn't aware of. I think I would have, if I had known, my first magnet would have been more powerful and probably double-sided. Because now that I have a double-sided one, it is a lot more convenient. So definitely that's a big plus. And the strength is really good. And I would probably even buy a bit stronger than what I currently have as well, just to take it to the next level. But two things to keep in mind there. The stronger it is, the heavier it is. So keep in mind that you have to throw this a bunch of times in one afternoon. So you will get like your sore baseball arm after a while. And the other thing for double-sided magnets specifically, the rated strength is usually total, so it's half for each side. So ah, just something to keep in great mind. Point, great point, yeah. Uh, when you're buying. Sometimes they'll say, oh, it's, I don't know, uh, 400. They'll say 400. Well, that means 200 each side, which is maybe less or equal to your single-sided right now, so not much of an upgrade. Or they'll say it's 400 each side. Ah, so 800 total which is definitely a bit more interesting. But yeah, I wish I knew that more strength and double-sided was more con would have been more convenient and more fun for me. Wow, some great advice there finishing up. Sasha, you're an absolute gentleman. Thank you for taking the time to be on the podcast. I know the listeners will really enjoy it and hopefully we can have you back again in the future and best of luck with the Reddit. I do love the Reddit. The community is excellent. As I said, when I reach, reached out, I'm a, definitely a lurker because I haven't done much magnet fishing, but I, I do dip in there all the time, every day, 
I do try and help with what is this thing? <laughs> what does ah, this yes. look like? Other, <laughs> Those but, are popular, uh, yeah. But other than that, input is, is minimal. But I have to say, community is excellent, and you were excellent on the interview today. And thank well, thank you very much for having me. I enjoyed uh, speaking about a hobby that I very much enjoy, so that was a lot of fun. Also my first podcast, so pretty cool. Thanks for that. Good. And uh, I would say to anybody who's interested, come on by. We're not, uh, we're not mean. <laughs> we're quite nice. And uh, feel free to ask your questions. Um, we have an FAQ that answers a lot of the basics as well. So you can have a read there if you're more comfortable lurking and uh, not uh, sending messages. That's fine too. But um, yeah, uh, see you there. On that note, Sasha, thank you very much. Thank you. And that's it for this week, guys. I hope you like this episode of the Metal Detecting Show podcast. Check out our website, www.themetaldetectingshow.com for this episode's show notes. Check out our Patreon page if you want to help the podcast stay alive or just want to buy me a coffee. Actually, if you want to buy me a coffee now, you can do so at buymeacoffee.com forward slash metal detecting. Also, if you'd like to leave me a voicemail, please do so on speakpipe.com forward slash the metal detecting show. The link is in the show description. If you feel like taking your appreciation to the next level, feel free to leave me a positive review on any podcast directory of your choice. And on that, just a quick note, we have received about 25 five-star reviews, meaning that we are the highest reviewed metal detecting podcast online at the minute. Anyways, if you like this content and would like more, please don't hesitate to tell your friends and don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Once again, I hope you enjoyed this episode and we will chat to you all again next week. Get out there, eyes down and happy hunting.